Amen. You guys can go ahead and head back to your seats. Thank you so much. Thank you, worship team. We love you. Appreciate you. Awesome. Hey, guys, I am, uh, as always, excited to see everybody. Um, Slowly but surely, we're getting back into the swing of things, and so uh, I'm grateful for that. And uh, I want to talk to you tonight about something that has kind of been on my heart for, for a few weeks now, and really was at the genesis of this series that we've been finding ourselves in over the last several weeks where we've been talking about the mission, right? Uh, The mission, not just missionaries, but the mission of God. And I'm so grateful for Tom Keating who came last week, a missionary of ours, and really talked to you about this idea of purpose and what God has called you to do. And tonight I want to share a word. Uh, I told Jonathan I could be clever too. I I titled this message, Jenner Us. Because I think God has called us to be generous, not just me, but us corporately. And I feel like this has always been a part of Excel's DNA. I'll tell you a quick story. A good amount of you probably know this one, but for those who are newer or haven't heard this, uh, this is something that's always kind of stuck with me. I have been at Excel, this youth ministry, since I was a teenager. And so I think, what is it, 20 years I've been a part of Excel. And that felt really weird saying it out loud. Um, but 20 years, I've been part of Excel. And I remember uh, one of those years when I was just a youth leader. I wasn't the pastor. I was a volunteer youth leader just helping out. I was in college. And um, I had one of those all-nighters. You guys ever pull an all-nighter where you waited way too late, and then you're up till like 4 in the morning finishing a paper? And you know it feels good when you knock it out, too. Like, you feel like you could do that every time, and that's why you're a horrible procrastinator. So that's me. Like, I just always waited last second. And so I had this paper due, and I was up all night and having all these issues and drama with it. And I finally finished with just enough time to get to class, right? And so I get up in the morning, and I'm walking over to my car so I can go to class. And as I'm walking, I start to smell the weirdest smell. And I'm looking around, I'm just like, that ain't me, what is that? I'm like worried about what's happening. And as I keep walking to where I had parked my car, I realize it's my car that smells, or at least what's left of my car. Somebody bombed my car in the middle of the night. They threw a Molotov cocktail in it and set it on fire. And so my car is literally melted. Uh, like Like my Bible got melted, like everything melted in the car, just the frame is left. It smells like burnt rubber. I don't know how I didn't hear it. Like the fireman left a little sticky thing on it. Like, sorry. And I'm just like, when did my car burn down? Right? I'm freaking out. And I'm just standing there kind of dumbfounded watching it. And this like old Puerto Rican dude rose up on his bike. And he's like, yo, what'd you do to her, brah? I'm like, her? Yeah. What'd you do to your ex-girlfriend to do this to your car? And I'm like, was it my ex-girlfriend? Like, I'm starting to think through all the ladies I had talked to at the time. Maybe somebody got mad. I was like, no, I'm a loser. I don't have a girlfriend. And so I was like, I didn't know what happened. I didn't know who did it. Uh, come to find out years later, the, the word on the street was, it was um, this wife in the neighborhood whose husband left her for another dude. And so she set his car on fire, thinking it was his car, accidentally burned my car. So I'm salty, I'm mad for like, I'm like, dude, I can't even turn in my paper, but I'm chill about it, you know? It's, it's like, whatever, I just felt like God, I prayed for a car so I could pick up kids from Excel and take them to church, and, and now you just gotta get me a new car. And I remember going to youth that night at Excel, and I had told the pastor at the time what had happened, and he laughed in my face, thought it was the funniest thing ever. And, uh, and he talked about it in the sermon. 
And everyone's kind of laughing. And his point was, hey, Joey's got the peace of God and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I got the peace of God, but I don't have a car no more. So I'm a little salty. You know, it's not the funniest thing in the world. And I remember right after service, a group of students came up to me and they handed me an envelope. They had took a little collection among themselves. It's like a hundred bucks in the envelope. Not enough, obviously, to buy a car. But I remember thinking, wow, you guys, you guys thought of me like that, you know? Like, how dope is that, that you guys would take your little offering and give it to me? And I never spent the money. To this day, I have it in an envelope in my house, and it's just kind of my reminder of the generosity of our students. See, I knew that, but to be quite transparent for you, for many years, Excel was never challenged to be generous. And I don't, I don't fault the previous leadership and the, the leadership before that, because as long as I can remember, I was never challenged to give to missions or to give you know, a certain amount of money or anything like that. And I remember when I became a pastor, a few years into it, I was with a bunch of other pastors, and we were praying over uh, this missional movement that we do within the Assemblies of God, which is the fellowship that we're a part of, called Speed the Light. Speed the Light is the avenue for which young people in the Assemblies of God give to missions. And what it does is it provides whatever a missionary needs in order to accomplish the mission of preaching the gospel. So if they need a car to get to a remote place, we get them a car. If they need a camel, we get them a camel. If they need a boat to cross a river, we get them a boat. If they need speaker systems to preach the gospel, we buy them speaker system. Whatever they need to preach the gospel, Speed the Light provides that. And I remember we're sitting there in the room, we're praying about it, and I'm thinking, like, we've never done this. I don't know, what da 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 And as I was praying, I remember the Lord really convict me. And he began to tell me why have excelled never been challenged. And I really began to wonder, and I can't tell you this for a fact, but this is what I felt. I think for a long time, even when I was a student, we weren't challenged because people didn't think we could do it. I think people looked at a bunch of inner city Chicago kids and thought, oh, those poor kids, you know, they don't have a mom and a dad or they're on welfare or they don't have a lot. And I did though, like, let's not ask them to give to missions. And I remember in that moment feeling very insulted by that. I don't know about y'all, but man, growing up here, I can get what I want. I'm a hustler. You know what I mean? Like if I needed something, like my dad would give me like a couple bucks a day for lunch. I didn't eat lunch. I skipped lunch. Because if I skipped lunch every day, by the end of the week, I had a little bit of money to go to the movies or something, you know? Like we figure it out, guys. Like if you need to do something, if you're looking for something, you figure out a way. I seen you guys, okay? I know that you're capable of that. And so God began to convict me and God began to speak to me and say, Joey, why are you not challenging my people? Why aren't you asking them to do what I'm asking everybody else to do? Why are you feeling sorry for the people that come exactly where you've come from? And I'll tell you, the truth is that moment began to change my perception when it came to what we do in generosity. And it became not just something we do, but a core pillar of who we are. I believe God has called me to raise up a generation that's generous, that's not obsessed with money, that doesn't allow money to control them, but is able to control that money comes, the money that comes to them. And so this is where this has kind of evolved, and, and this is where we began to move into doing things like Speed the Light. And I'll tell you, the first year we did it, we raised $4,000 in a year. That is the most Excel had ever risen ever in its history. So we went from $0 to $4,000, not that bad. The next year, we got to $15,000 in a year. The next year, we did $17,000 in a year. Within three or four years, we did 35 grand out of a group of young people in Chicago that are broke. 
And God began to show me, if you put it in front of them, if you are willing to raise the bar, your students will reach it. And I feel even more of that for you. Because I think you're a different generation. I think you're a generation that's never seen an obstacle they can't match. I think you're a generation that's been through things and understands that you have a God, a way maker, that can do things if you're willing to line up with God's vision on that and go in the direction that God's called you to do. And so I, I began to think about that, and God began to challenge me, and I believe that this year we're going to surpass a lot of things we've done in the past. But let me explain to you why I think that. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 12, just a few verses, verse 41 through 44. And this is an interesting passage because it says a lot about Jesus' perception of generosity. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44, the Bible tells us that Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they have a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. It's interesting to me that Jesus took the time to sit down and notice people's giving. It says that God cares about that that it's important to the Lord. Now, does God need your money? No. Why would he need your money? The Bible says so his streets are painted with gold. Like, it's not a big deal to him. But if there's something about the heart of a generous person, not just financially, but in everything, generous with their time, generous with their service, generous in their attitude. Generosity is something that is ingrained in you and that can be better because of it if you are willing to accept generosity and be generous. And quite honestly, in the time that we live in, we live in a get mine time, right? Like, I'm going to do good for me. I'm going to take care of my family and screw anybody else. Don't worry about anybody else. That's their business. I'm going to take care of me. And when everybody has that attitude, nobody survives. Here in Mark, we see God begin to notice giving. It's almost like we have some boxes in the back on Sunday where people give their offering. It would be like if I stood in that chair right next to that camera and just watch who gave and who didn't give. And I'm just sitting there like, mm-hmm. Ara didn't drop in that box. I caught that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. I see Zach didn't do anything. Check. Like, and Jesus is just sitting there watching that. And there's a few things that I notice about that. Number one, if you're taking notes, Jesus sees the motive behind our giving. The motive is why we give. And this is important because the purpose is not just your money, right? God cares about your heart. God cares about what's going on and the attitude. And so he looks at the motive and the Bible says that there were a bunch of rich people who were dropping in the money. What was their motive? Well, this was just a chance to drip in front of everybody, to show off, to be like, look what I got. It's literally like a little fashion show, like who can drop in the most money? It almost makes me laugh. Like sometimes you'll see this on TikTok where people are helping a homeless person, right? And you, they're like, oh, hey, listen, we're going to blah, 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 blah. We're going to give this person a haircut. We're going to give this person 500 bucks, blah, 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 like and share. And then they go do all this stuff. And we're like, oh, that's so nice. But do you consider that homeless person, how embarrassing that might be for them? That you're using them? That you're... you're using them for your likes and your shares and your status on social media? Like, again, 
is that purpose, is that person's reason to help that man out or to grow their social status? And in this situation, Jesus is looking at these large crowds and he sees them giving and he goes, yeah, that looks good, but I know the motive of your heart. See, here's the deal. If, if you give to missions and what we're trying to do is raise money for Speed the Light, and I'll get into all the details of that in a minute. But if you give because you want to show off, because I don't know, for some reason you think, man, if I give a lot, she might notice me. She won't, but still, that might be your thinking. Your thinking might be, hey, listen, I want to give a lot so that the leaders will notice me and, the, and they'll think I'm a good Christian and they'll think I'm a good student. I want to give a lot so that other people will notice how generous I am and they'll start to affirm me and they'll start to say really nice things about me. Maybe that's a way that people will start to like me. If your motives are selfish in nature, God doesn't need it. God doesn't really, is he not really impressed with that? And that's why it's important to understand it's not about the amount that you give. I don't care if you give a thousand or a hundred. I care about your motive. Why are you doing this? If you only do it because Pastor Joey asked you, then that's not the point. The point is to raise up hearts that are generous, hearts that are willing, hearts that are willing to do whatever it is God says and give whatever it is that God asks them to give because ultimately we understand that everything we have belongs to the Lord. Sometimes, you know, now that I'm older and my parents are elderly and there'll be times where my dad will be like, hey, Joey, can you borrow me 20 bucks? And I'm like, what do you mean borrow you? You're my dad. Bobby, you can have whatever you want. No, 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 it's okay, I'll pay you back. I'm like, you're my dad. Like, you've raised me. You paid a million things for me. Like, I don't know how expensive I've been over the years, but definitely several hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you want 20 bucks, you can have 20 bucks. And we'll literally get into fights, right? I'll be like, hey, mommy, I'm at the store. Do you want something? Yeah, yeah, give me some bread and some eggs, and I'll show up, and they'll be trying to give me money. I was like, for bread and eggs? Chill, no. No, because I won't ask you for anything again. I'm like, don't ask me that. But what am I trying to do? I said, listen, I, I don't need your money. I'm doing this because I love you. And in the same way, God doesn't need your money. He's trying to teach you how to be generous. He's trying to teach you how to be willing to give so that it doesn't get a hold of you. Motives matter. Listen, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. I could brag about that. I could show off. But if I didn't love others... I would have gained nothing. You say, listen, what good is it if you're super generous, but you hate people? What good is it if, if you are willing to give? Think about this, because I've said this a few times when it comes to missions. And, and I'm, I'm, when I go to other pastor things, I'm pretty bold. And so I'll say things because I just don't care. Like, whatever, I don't care. And so I'll be like, you know, it's kind of interesting to me how sometimes you see certain groups of people that are willing to give to a certain group of people in another country, but would get really mad if that group of people moved in next door. Seems weird to me. It seems weird to me that you're willing to take a mission trip to Mexico, see what they're going through and what they're struggling with, but you got an issue with the border. Seems funny to me. Now, here's what God's heart is. God's saying is, listen, you could do all the charity and build all the orphanages and go down there and play with all the little brown kids and feel real good about yourself. But if you don't love those people, it's pointless. Listen, Part of the effort that we're going to be doing is similar to what we did last year. We're going to be building wells for places in Africa where they don't have a clean source of water. If you are willing to do that and you care about that, but you don't care about an unarmed black person that gets shot, your motives are off. You care about the whole thing. You care about everybody. 
Because that's what God has called us to do. God has called us to love. And understand that before God looks at what's in your hand, he looks at what's in your heart. God is checking the motives. God is trying to see why are you doing this? And if you're not doing it for the right reasons, you might as well not do it at all. My, my heart is this, that you would give and that you would give generously, not because I've twisted your arm, not because I manipulated you, not because everybody else is doing it, but because you understood that you have a generous God that is giving you above and abundantly more than you should have ever deserved. And if your God comes and asks for anything, your answer will always be yes, Lord. That's why we give. Because when God says, hey, look at this situation, I want you to do something about that. My people are struggling to get water. Would you get them water? Yes, Lord. My people are struggling to have a place to sleep. Would you buy beds? Yes, sir. People around the world are dying without ever knowing the name of Jesus Christ. Would you help provide for an individual to go there and preach the gospel? Lord, whatever you want, it's all yours. That's the motive and the heart of generosity. We're going to be putting Speed the Light at the forefront this entire year, so I hope you don't get sick of it. But I also hope you understand, it's not because I want your money. By the way, I don't get a dime of your money. Matter of fact, my goal is to outgive every one of you. But we got to be willing to do it with the right heart or don't do it at all. Jesus looked at these two people. He saw the people that had everything and they were trying to show off, and then he saw the poor widow. Think about this for a second. Those rich people, they're showing off. The widow? It's embarrassing for her, if you really consider it. These collection boxes are at the front. They're not passing a basket. So we would be like, all right, everybody, <laughs> come and give your money for Speed the Light, right? And somebody shows up and drops $100. Somebody comes up and drops $1,000. Somebody comes up and drops 5000 grand. And we're like, wow, look what this person did. Look what that person did. And then you come up and you drop five cents. That's almost embarrassing. And a lot of us, wouldn't get up to give the five cents. And yet this poor widow, those two cents, the Bible says it was everything she had. And even though it was embarrassing, she loved the Lord more than she feared the men. And she was willing to give. The first thing is the motive. The second thing is the method. It's not just about why we give, but it's about how we give. Do we give out of the abundance of what we have or do we sacrifice for what we give? Hear my heart when I say this. Whatever we do for missions, there I got a few ground rules when it comes to that, and, and I really want you to hear my heart. What I don't want you to do is go, Mom, Dad, I need $100 for our missions thing. What, you didn't do anything. Your parents gave to missions. You did it. Right? What I don't want is you just going around and asking for a handout. Here's what I'm challenging you to do. Are you willing to sacrifice for what you're giving? Are you willing to go out of your way, get out of your comfort zone, do things you would have normally not done in order to accomplish something that God wants you to accomplish? That's a whole different scenario with a whole different effect on your life. Are you willing to sacrifice? I remember AJ, where's AJ at? Are you in the room? AJ back there. AJ's part of my little Speed the Light committee. And I remember when AJ was a student, he was gone all summer. He had gone to be with some family. It was in North Carolina, I believe. And in North Carolina, every day he worked in a sweaty, hot kitchen. And I remember at some point we were doing the Speed the Light thing when he came back and I look and he dropped over $1,000 in the offering. I'm like, Where'd this, this kid ain't even been here. Where'd you get this money? And he goes, I worked all summer. I paid my tithe and then the rest of it I gave to missions. And I remember thinking, wow, you're a better man than me. <laughs> but that's 
That's the difference between somebody who sacrifices and somebody who doesn't. He worked for what he gave. You know how hard it is to give something you gave? I'll tell you, when I started working, I started looking at things differently, right? When I started working, I don't know how many of you got a job yet. Anybody start working yet a little bit? Got a little part-time, little side gig? No, everybody just lives at home and, okay. When I started working, here's what happened. I started working, I go to McDonald's differently. I look at the menu and be like, man, that's an hour and a half of work. I ain't eating an hour and a half of work, <laughs> right? I go to the movies and we're like, movie popcorn? That's a half a day shift for a box of popcorn. I don't want that. You just look at things differently, right? Julian, you, you got some shoe business going on? You know how many shoes you got to clean for some of the stuff you want to buy? I mean, you just look at stuff differently when you're the one who physically starts to work for it. When it's your parents' money, you don't care, right? You can go up to your mom and dad and be like, mom, 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 I need $80. Your dad will be like, $80? Why do you need $60? I don't have $40, right? You have no idea this whole thing that goes on because it's not your money. And so it's the same thing when you give to missions, when it's not your money, when you didn't work for it, when you didn't sacrifice it, it's not a big deal. That's why Jesus wasn't impressed with the rich people. He goes, you, you got more than enough money. This isn't a big deal for you. That lady, those two cents, that's all she had. I'm impressed with that. I'm impressed with what she did. Do you impress God? Or does God just go, duh, you should do that. Listen, some of you need to get out of your comfort zone and start doing things you've never done. Mowing lawns for missions. You know, waxing your legs like Judd did last year for missions. Last year, we did our, our National Give Day, and Ara sang for a few, what was it, like an hour and a half on Instagram karaoke. Ara, I'll be honest with you, not every song sounded great, but who cares? And not every song sounded great when Judd started singing, especially. But guess what? How much did you raise last year in that one day? $800 for singing karaoke on it. Was it embarrassing? Yeah. Was it worth it? So listen, this is what I'm saying. I don't want you to just give me what you got. I'm asking you to earn something for the Lord. I'm asking you to work for something. And a lot of you are like, well, I'm only 12. Great, you're still cute. You can do stuff when you're cute. Okay, some of you 17, 18, you're not cute no more. Nobody's just going to give you money anymore. The 12-year-olds, they can be like, hey, listen, I'm selling cookies. And you're like, oh, snap, yeah, whatever you are, bro. 18-year-olds, you got to go into like actual labor. You got to be like, can I dig out your backyard? Like you actually got to go work for it because you're kind of ugly at this point, right? But this is what I'm talking about. Like when you give, are you willing to sacrifice? Is it going to cost you something? What if you start to pray and God says, hey, listen, that new PS5 you got, hey, you could probably get double for it right now if you sell it because it's in demand. I want you to sell your PS5. And you're like, I just, I just got that. Yeah, that's going to hurt, isn't it? But that sacrifice, I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm saying, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to give something that costs you something? Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one through two says this. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. There was this uh, situation going on in Jerusalem and they were raising money. And he's telling them about this church in Macedonia. And he goes on to say, they were being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. Right? They so poor they couldn't afford the R at the end of it. They were just po. They were very po, but they also were filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. What is he saying? He's saying the motive, their joy, 
was so big that it overflowed in rich generosity. How can you be rich and poor at the same time? Sacrifice. They were willing to sacrifice and be generous because they served a generous God. When you give sacrificially, it means something, right? If you're sitting there with your buddy and you guys want something to eat and you don't have any money and he pays for your food and he doesn't eat, you feel bad. But at the same time, you're thinking, wow, you would rather not eat and let me eat. That speaks louder than words. Motives matter. Methods matter. And the third thing, if you're taking notes, is the measure matters. Jesus notices the measure of how you give. The measure means what we give. The measurement of what we give. Now, this is an interesting thing because we tend to measure things linearly. We tend to think little and big. God thinks circularly. God thinks in a, in a different way that you and I think. And a lot of times we measure success on what we view as successful. And so if I gave $5,000, that's successful. Sounds great on paper. And if I gave $5, that's not successful. Sounds bad on paper. But the situation matters, right? The measurement is different based on the thing. And so you got to think about it like this. What weighs more? A thousand pounds of cotton or a thousand pounds of steel? It's the same. There might be a whole lot more cotton, but it's still the same weight. In our minds, we view steel as more heavy and cotton as light, but a thousand pounds is a thousand pounds. And so my point is this, God doesn't measure your success strictly by the quantity and the amount of money that you give. He measures it by your heart, right? Listen, the Bible tells us, in Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, it's this crazy story. When you read the book of Acts, the, Act, the book of Acts is the story of the birth of the church. It's the beginning of the church. And the Bible tells us that they all sold everything they had and gave to all those that were in need. And everybody was good. And that there was this couple named Ananias and Sapphira who were trying to get in on it. Except they weren't doing it in the right way with the right method and the right motive. The Bible says that in Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, but there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He, bought, uh, he brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. All right, so they're both in on this. Then Peter said to Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Y'all don't think I'd be scared? Like, could you imagine, right? If we do, like, in a few weeks, in, on May 19th, which I hope you circle this on your calendar, May 19th is going to be National Give Day. Just like what we did last year online, we're doing it again this year. And again, I'll give you more details in a minute. But let's say May 19th, National Give Day, you show up and you're like, hey, P. Joey, man, I, I, I did this stuff. It was awesome. And, and I raised $5,000 for missions. And you turn in five grand. Everyone's like, wow, amazing. But the truth is you raised 10000 and you didn't turn in the other five. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit tells me, hey, they're lying. And I'm like, hey, bro. You raised 10,000, you didn't raise five. And when I said that, you died. And everybody here saw it. Could you imagine, like, 
I don't know how, I'm pretty sure P. Joy just murdered a child. Right? It'd be this amazing, and this is what happened in this situation. Now, here's what you have to understand. They didn't die because they didn't give all the money. They died because they lied about it. He's saying, listen, you didn't have to give anything. And that was fine. And you didn't even have to give, you didn't have to say you gave. You could have given half, and that would have been fine. The fact is, you were trying to claim the status and not the work. The fact is, you were trying to pretend like you were something you weren't. And because of your lying, not to me, not to the church, but to the Holy Spirit, you dropped dead. I won't name any names, but there was one time where we were doing something for missions, and a a certain individual uh, said they raised a certain amount. And I don't check. I'm not your, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be the accountant. But about a year later, they told me, "Ah, by the way, I I never turned that money and I actually used it all for weed. And I was like, oh, all right. And I I told a group of pastors that I'm in and and we decided to call it instead of speed the light, weed the light. And uh, and that became like the new hashtag in our small group. And my thing, I wasn't mad at that person because that's not my money. That's between you and God. So if you raise money and you steal it, that's between you and God. I'm not going to get mad about it. I'm not going to throw you in jail. I mean, technically, it's probably illegal for you to do that. But you got to understand that it's not just about the measure. It's the measure. God is measuring what you're doing. God is measuring your heart. God is measuring your effort. God is measuring the desires and what you're trying to do. Think about this with the poor widow. This, to me, was amazing when I looked at it. The poor widow comes, right? And she gives two coins. Now, those two coins were about the equivalent of 1% of a payday. So it's almost like a dollar. And this is all she had to live on. Could you imagine you're a grown adult and the only amount of money you have is $1? And the Bible says that she gave those two coins. Now, think about this. She could have just given one coin and nobody would have said anything. Nobody would complain. Like if all you had was a dollar and you gave 50 cents, I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm like, they only had a dollar. It's not a big deal. But the reason God was so impressed with her is because she said, I'm going to give everything. I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to give it all. And God looked at that and said, that to me is amazing. Yeah, I get that. That individual gave a thousand times more than that lady. But what she gave meant more to her than everything else. That's the sacrificial giving that I'm talking about. That's what it means to step out. Some people want to look generous. Some people sacrifice to be generous. You got to decide for yourself which you are. In a minute, I'm going to ask Pastor Jason to come up, but I need you to to hear me real quick. May 19th is going to be National Speed the Light Give Day. And I want to challenge you. Last year, as a group, we all did, and think about this, online, through Zoom, you did $8,000 for missions in one day. Amazing. I was like, dude, this is sick. I think we can do more this year. But I need you to understand something. And as I've been talking with the leaders and we've been praying about what God wants to do, I need you to hear my heart. May 19th is not the finish line. It's the starting line. It's what we are going to start to do. And throughout the remainder of this year, we're going to trust God for miracles. And here's where this helps. Because when you begin to trust in God, when God begins to speak to your heart and he says something like, hey, Summer, I want you to raise $1,000 this year. And you're sitting there going, but we're already in financial struggle. I don't know if Summer is. I'm just hypothetically saying. We're already in financial struggle. God, how can I do that? And then God does it. Watch Summer's faith grow. 
when God challenges you to trust him and you step out in faith and you begin to trust him and then God delivers, your faith goes leaps and bounds. And the cool thing about this is this is a measurable win. This is something we can look at and say, listen, on on this day, God spoke to you and said, you're going to do this. And on this day, God did it. And you can turn around and say, God is faithful in everything he does. God opened doors where I didn't think there were going to be open doors. God made a way where I didn't think there was going to be a way. I started to trust in God. Let me tell you one more story, and then I want to take some time to pray tonight. Um, When I got engaged to Sicily, we're going to be celebrating seven years in August of marriage. When I got, thank you, that's pretty fun. When I got engaged, um, I, I was the only one working. She was at the time getting her master's degree. Our families didn't have any real money. And so I had saved up as much as I could for a ring and for the wedding and stuff like that. And at that time, we were building the building next door. Some of you have already been in there a number of times. You see what I'm talking about. We were just getting ready to, to put construction into that building. And Pastor had preached a word, and he was talking about when David was building the temple of God, and he was gathering together all the leaders. And, he's, and God told David, hey, you can't build the temple right? Because your hands are too bloody. Your son is going to build it. And so David, I want you to to set him up for success. And so what David did is he became the fundraiser. And the Bible says that David and the leaders were the first to give to the building of the temple. And when I was sitting in that service, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, I want you to give to that. Now at the time, the church had given me a pretty significant raise. It was one of the first times I got like a big raise. And I think it's kind of like, well, he was single and now he's going to get married. So let's pay him like an adult. It's like the first time they actually gave me money. And so I I was banking on this money, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, I want you to give that to the building. Now, I won't tell you the amount, but I will say this. It was several thousand dollars. It's the most at that point I had ever given in one hit. Now, being a good future husband, I went to Sicily, and I said, hey, this is what I feel the Lord speaking to me. Um, Are you okay with that? And Sicily looks at me and goes, yeah, if that's what you feel God said, then yes. And I was like, crap. I was really hoping you'd argue with me a little bit on this. That's a lot of money, babe. As a matter of fact, that was the money that we were going to use for our honeymoon. And so now, no honeymoon. I looked at her and I said, babe, if I do this, we can't afford to go on a honeymoon. We're just not going to go anywhere. And she said, okay. She said, okay, but she was, she was like salty, right? But she's like, okay. The next Sunday, somebody put uh, uh, money in an envelope for the offering and it was designated to me. And it said, to Pastor Joey for his honeymoon. And it was 50 bucks. Now, I ain't going to go anywhere on 50 bucks, right? I can't even book a room on, on 50 bucks. But I remember thinking and talking to my fiance at the time. And I said, you know what? I didn't even ask God about the honeymoon. I just assumed because he asked me to sacrifice that he wanted the honeymoon. But maybe this is God saying that he's going to provide. So we're going to pray about this, and we're going to trust the Lord, and we're going to see if God opens doors. Now, months pass by, and no money's coming in, and, and we're getting closer and closer to the wedding, and every day we're like on Groupon about to buy a little getaway thing and, and trying to figure out what's going to happen. I got no money because weddings are really expensive, and they, I have way too many friends, and so this was getting kind of crazy. Suddenly, I am uh, uh, picking up a really famous pastor from New York uh, for this district thing that we were having in our fellowship. And he's somebody, I've read his books. I was super intimidated by him. And he's got this huge choir that's got seven Grammys and sings at the president's inauguration. It's intense, right? So I'm intimidated. And I'm in the car and we're making small talk and he finds out I'm engaged. 
And he asked, what are you doing for your honeymoon? And I go, nothing. I got no money, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. He goes, you know what? I got a friend that gives me an amazing discount on the best resort in Bermuda. Last time I was there, I was in line behind two movie stars. It's phenomenal. I go there often. If you want, I'll give him a call. And I'm like, bet, give him a call. Yeah, let's do this. Not thinking it's actually going to happen. I'm just like, yeah, for sure. He's like, send me an email. I'll do that. I send him an email and nothing happens. And then a few weeks later, I get a call from some random dude in Bermuda. He's like, hey, you know, pastor called me, mentioned what's going on. Um, you know, what are you thinking? What can you afford? I go, brother, I'm going to be real honest with you. Like the most, the most I can afford is this amount. Now, if that gets me an afternoon or, and one lunch in your resort, great. If it's not enough for anything, no problem. This is just really all I have. He said, okay, let me work on some stuff and I'll call you back. Now weeks go by and a couple months go by and now we're literally like a month away from my wedding and he hasn't called back. And how do you call him up, right? Like he's doing me a favor. Suddenly I get a call from the dude. He says, hey, listen, uh, we worked some stuff out. If you can cover what you said you can cover, we're gonna do Monday through Friday, breakfast, lunch, and dinner included. If you can cover what you cover, our church is gonna cover everything above and beyond that. I never even been to Bermuda. I don't never even met this guy. I don't know his church but he just offered to cover the majority of my honeymoon. Now listen, yeah, that's awesome, but check this out. And by the way, my honeymoon was expensive. I didn't know the total amount because he took care of it, but every meal was at least $90, okay? Like this was not a cheap place. I remember when I'm at the resort, I told my wife, hey, listen, enjoy this. We are never coming back here. We cannot afford this place. But I remember as I'm talking on the phone with him, I'm blown away. I'm thinking this is amazing. And then it hits me. That's all the money I got. How am I going to get to Bermuda? <laughs> it's not like I can walk there. It's an island, right? And so I'm thinking in my head, I was like, oh, snap, I got no money. I'm trying to figure out like who I can ask to borrow me money, who can, you know, get me some airfare or something. And while I'm thinking all this, he goes, oh, by the way, before I hang up, uh, the pastor called me and he said that he wants to personally pay for you and your wife's airfare. And so he's going to send you a check for your airfare. And sure enough, I get a thousand dollar check from this random pastor that I met for one afternoon. And I'm thinking the church is going to cover it. It was a personal check from him. And then that night, our first night of our honeymoon, we're, we're opening up all our gifts and we're counting all our gifts. And we're counting all the money that people gave us. And I kid you not, we actually made money on our honeymoon. We ended up profiting on our honeymoon. And I remember my wife and I, we just start to cry. I just start weeping. And I look at my wife and I said, we will never not put God first in this family. And ever since then, we have given more and more to missions. And every year that I've given God to missions, God has given me more to give more. God has opened more doors so that I can give more. I have tried every year since then to outgive God and I cannot do it because I serve a God who is faithful and who is generous so that we could be generous. So I want you to stand as Pastor Jason comes up. And in a moment, I want to give you some time to pray. And here's what I'm going to ask. In a moment, I'm going to have some of my leaders, if you want, if you can come up here. My leaders are going to have some post-its, little post-it notes. And listen, if you're new here and, and you're just checking this out, please don't feel obligated to do anything I'm glad you're here. I don't want you to feel weird about it. If you want to, cool. But if you don't, please don't feel obligated. Who I'm talking to are, are people who call this home, people who come to Excel regularly. Because here's the deal. I don't want to just be like, hey, this year, we're going to raise this amount for Speed the Light. 
because I don't think that's right. Instead, what I want to do is I want to give you four or five minutes and I want you to talk to God yourself. I want you to pray. I want you to hold that little post-it note in your hand and I want you to pray and say, God, what do you want me to give when it comes to missions this year? And if you can honestly say, hey, God told me zero. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to put anything down, no problem. As long as you and your heart know that's what the Lord spoke to you, I won't argue with you. But I really believe that if you ask God, God will give you a number. Now listen to me. Don't be one of those people that's like, hey, the Lord told me to give $4 billion. I'd love that. That'd be dope. But don't be weird. At the same time, don't lowball what God is calling you to do because God is calling you to do it. And if God calls you to it, God will equip you to it. And some of you are sitting there going, but I don't know how to do it. Listen, some of the stuff you can already do. Julian, I told you when you were walking in, what if for a month you gave 100% of the profits of those shoes that you clean up for missions? I promise you, if you do it, my shoes will be the first one that I'll send to you. Right? This is what I'm talking about, where you can do stuff you already do. Some of you, you play sports, great. Get somebody to sponsor you. Every hit you make, speed the light. Caleb, uh, he's visiting from Southern Illinois. Him and his buddies walked how long? 24 hours? 12 hours. They walked 12 hours nonstop to raise money for missions. How much did you raise in those 12 hours? $3,000. People are willing to support you because they believe in you. Because they believe in what you're doing. They believe in the cause that you're in. But they can't believe in you if you don't give them something worth believing in. And so I really want you to pray. I really want you to ask. And what we're going to do is when you get it, I want you to write it down. And once you have it written down, you can give it to me. And we'll collect it. And what we'll do is we'll add up the total. And that'll be our goal as a group for this year. Does that make sense? Okay. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to, to quietly come out of your seat. Come up here. Grab a post-it note from one of the leaders. Grab a pen. And I want you to find a spot alone in this room. Get away from everybody else. Don't be paired up with everybody. This is between you and the Lord. If you consider yourself a believer, if you're part of this family, I need you to come up, grab a post-it note and a pen. If you're new, don't, don't feel obligated. And if you're watching online and you want to be a part of this, do the same thing. Pray there. Write it down. You can text us. You can email us. You can message us. Matter of fact, in a moment, we're going to go ahead and let you go and, and, and let you do that. So if the feed cuts out, please don't feel disconnected. Hit us up. Message us. Call us. Let us know what you feel God has put on your heart. But for everybody else here, I want you right where you're at. Would you close your eyes? Bow your heads and just begin to talk to God. Just begin to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to give? Not just for National Give Day, but for this year. What's the goal? And I would say this. If you're not intimidated by the number, I would argue it's not God. Because God's not going to give you something you can do. God's going to give you something where you have to trust him to do it. And leaders... With the post-it notes left in your hand, I want you to pray and do the same thing. 
What is God asking you to do? Because we can't expect these kids to do what we're not willing to do ourselves. So you, if, if God tells you nothing, go ahead. I trust you on that. But I really doubt God is going to tell every one of my leaders nothing. And so ask God. Some of you are paying for college. Some of you are you know, working jobs and not getting all that hours. Trust me. It'll be a testimony to the goodness of God. Pray about it. Does it intimidate you? Is it something that makes you have to pray and trust in the Lord? Is it something where you say, God, if you're not in this, I'm not going to be able to do this. Don't worry about what you're going to do. We'll take care of that over the next couple of weeks. Just trust God in how much you're going to do. Have the right motive. Trust him with the method. Let him measure it.